listeners, welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 64. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? What about the Beatles? How do we feel about the Beatles these days? I never was a person that thought they were the most amazing band in the world, but I always liked them. I worry sometimes that my daughter won't know about the Beatles. Even my my wife is a little murky on the Beatles. You know, she's not one of those people that when she was young, she took the time to listen to every Beatles album in order. And it's weird. Her mom liked the rock and roll. She's pretty well versed in a lot of like other 60s, 70s rock, but you know, not the Beatles. It's interesting. Uh, anyway, how's it going? What's up? How are you guys holding in there? Everybody doing okay? This feels slightly redundant now that I've been doing these long uh, Facebook posts. <laughs> oh, funny. I have my little piano here that uh, is turned on because uh, I set it up for Jane. And I could play you little piano songs. But... I don't think that's really going to work because that's running through Logic and I'm running GarageBand. It's kind of weird to run both of those at the same time, right? Uh, we'll just move on from that. Anyway, I've been doing these like long Facebook posts every day. People seem to like them, you know, just trying to stay in touch with friends. I will say one thing about this whole thing for somebody like me that lives far away from most of their friends. I'm actually more in touch with my friends lately than I've been in a long, long time. They're the people I see when I go to New York, of course, uh, my close friends. I know I'm not seeing them as much. I'm not seeing Doug as much, you know, things like that. But a lot of people I'm hearing from that I haven't heard from in ages, and I'm talking to a lot of people, and it's really quite nice, and I really like it. And it makes me happy. Well, happier. It cheers me. Not cheers me up, but cheers me. What was that weird next sound? I don't know. We're, we're going to ignore that. Uh, so, you know, that's a little bright spot, I guess. Uh Wait, I didn't even hit that. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, we are now here in the web household one month and five days into our quarantine. I'm not really counting every day, but you know, I mean, I am including in my count all the days, but I do not tally the days every day. That is an important distinction, but uh, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. I, I think that, you know, uh, it's not a fair comparison because we have a gigantic, super comfortable house on a gigantic, beautiful lot with a pond. Our neighborhood is 22 houses big, 22 lots big. One lot doesn't even have a house on it. And half mile street, one street, we walk the street up and down every day. Uh, we might run into a neighbor or two, but, uh, you know, we can, we can get outside without stressing out. We, we can get out of each other's hair. Em and I already both had home offices for working. Jane is young enough that she doesn't really know what's going on. So we don't have to educate her daughter on top of this. We have Janet next door. So the healthcare situation, <laughs> healthcare, the childcare situation is generally the same as it's been so day to day things are okay i mean you know we have the stresses like everybody else we worry about janet and mostly i worry about my parents they're in a, a managed care, well not a managed care but an elderly living community in fairbanks alaska and they are locked down obviously and my father as you know he's you know 
suffering from PSP. He's in a bed. He's, we have, they have a lot of healthcare workers going in and out. They have live-in care, they have hospice. And so I'm really worried about them. There are a lot, if you look at per capita, there are a lot of, uh, COVID-19 cases in Fairbanks. So it's a little stressful. It got into the other, another, an assisted living facility in Fairbanks, which is the one I was trying to get my dad in before they realized that their insurance was good enough. He could stay home. So that's, you know, that's getting a little close to home. Another elderly care assisted living facility in my county here just uh, had an outbreak. So yesterday we had 26 cases in the county and now it's 34 in one day. That's a little bit alarming. I don't really want to go out. It's stressful going out, right? The walks in the neighborhood are nice. Uh, Also, one of our neighbors uh, made an amazing, this retired couple, they made this amazing sidewalk drawing for Jane on Thursday. It says, hi, Jane. It has flowers and smiley faces, and she found it on the walk. That was really amazing, and it was Emma's birthday that day, so that was really nice. Uh, but then our neighbors on the other side are like, they're not doing it today, but the last two weekends, they have had big gatherings, like five, six people, seven, six people. I don't know. It's hard to tell, and they've been like canoeing in the pond and fishing in the pond, and they like came over to our lot, and they got on our dock and they fished off our dock. I mean, you know, I don't care if the fish in the pond from their side, but I don't want them on my dock. And it's just like stressful because they're like breaking the rules, you know? (laughs) And I don't like to look at people who are breaking the rules because it just puts you in this awkward position because you're like, I don't want to be the snitch. And especially with neighbors because it's like, you don't want to be on bad terms with your neighbors, right? Like that's, that's no fun. They're your neighbors. They could be there for years, you know, but it's just, it's like awkward. And like, you know, there's a bench there and metal, of course, you know, the virus stays on metal forever and we use the bench. So you got to wipe down the bench. So I don't know. We moved our no fishing, no trespassing sign a little bit. Uh, it's tough because in normal times, we, you know, we, it's a pretty permeable border there and there's paths that go across many of the lots. And it's one of the things we've really taken pride in. And I don't have a problem with somebody walking on the paths and walking around the pond, but like five people when they're not supposed to, they've never done this before too. Like now all of a sudden when you are not supposed to gather socially, they're gathering socially. I mean, I guess maybe they're doing it every weekend going to like Jordan Lake or something like that. And now they're just going to the pond. It's, it's pretty stressful. I'm not super into it. Uh, it's been a little cold here this week, so they're not doing it right now. So maybe we will get off Scott free uh, i'm turning my head to look at the pond that's why the, the the sound gets weird but uh no they're not out there so that's good well that's been stressing me out but i mean you know we're doing well and the, the stress and anxiety is mainly on the global level and the pain and, and especially for new york i had a I had a real big bawling cry about new york about four or five days ago i just started bawling and jane was in my lap and she's just like you know oh. Once you're crying in front of your kid and your kid looks concerned for you, you just start crying even more. It's like really rough and you're just like, I'm sorry. (laughs) And then uh, the next day, conveniently, Brian, the bartender at Tom and Jerry's that I spent all that time getting in touch with, dropped the line and said he was doing well. So that was really nice. That made me feel better. But yeah, it's it's rough, man. New York. It hurts. I never, never... I never really mentally left New York because I have not been leaving. You know, I live here, but I go back all the time. I never, I think the longest I've been away from New York in the 21st century is three weeks. So it's, uh, it's not pleasant. And I, I, I feel for all those people. And it reminds me a lot of Sandy, you know, like you got through Sandy. I stayed in New York for Sandy. And, uh, you kind of heard the need, these news stories about what was going on down in the Rockaways and how bad it was, but the camera crews couldn't get down there and the reporters only sort of sporadically got down there. So you were reading them, but it didn't really viscerally hit. And it kind of, the, the feeling of the hospitals right now kind of reminds me of that, right? There aren't camera crews in the hospitals in New York. And when you read this stuff and you're like, oh, you do the math and you're like, my God, it must be hell in those hospitals right now. 
but you can't see it. You don't feel it. And it's like, it's sort of pushed away mainly for logistical reasons. I'm not, you know, I'm not decrying some sort of media conspiracy or something like that. You can't get a photographer into a hospital. Right. And like they're, they're, they're reporting on it, but it doesn't hit. And then later on with, with the Rockaways, you're like, Oh my God, things are really bad down there. I feel terrible. And that's a, that's a lot how I feel about New York right now. Why are you beeping at me, man? It's a weekend. I don't need your beeps. I forgot to turn on the Do Not Disturb. Uh, my banker tells me that our PPP loan has some updates, but then he didn't give me the updates. So I don't know what's up with that. I should check and see if that email was him. Nope. Uh, anyway, yeah. So it's uh, stressing me out. I feel for New York. Hang in there, New York. New York, I love you. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, I. I think that's about it. Been doing some Zoom calls from friends. Like I said, it's been nice, you know, getting in touch with all these friends. Kind of settled into this Friday night routine, Zoom with a few friends, and then launch DJ Chris Ewan's Twitch stream of DJing, like he would the songs he would play at Heroes and Man Ray back in the day. And that's been really fun because there's like we just did the third one last night. So like there's people in there that used to go to Man Ray like twenty five years ago that I knew, friends, you know, that have moved away to different cities and it was like, Wow, imagine a Man Ray union where everybody like that had left town came back for it. It's really it's really quite kind of amazing. Uh, but Twitch is a little weird. It's great for Chris and the music, but the chat goes by super fast. Everybody's using an alias. So you're not really hundred percent sure who's who, uh, we have our like little zoom video conference going at the same time for like five or six friends, but you know, like it almost replicates the club in a way, but not quite. But I think it'd be really cool if he kept doing it even after heroes was open again, that could be pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, Jane's doing all right. She has been dismantling one of the baby gates. It's really pretty impressive. It's like a like a gate, and it's got, you know, horizontal bars and then vertical bars, and she's figured out she can unscrew the vertical bars, and she's just been slowly dismantling this gate. I pretty much have left the gate open. She's kind of responsible enough in that area, but that's pretty impressive. She's just taking it apart. Like, whatever gate, I will show you who's boss. The gates are pretty much done now, I think. There's one gate we're still using, but... Uh, other than that, she's kind of done with them. She's really, it's crazy. She's just talking so much. She's like almost conversational using full sentences. Sometimes she's, there's still times you can't really understand what she's saying, but a lot of the time you're just like, wow, I can't believe you said that whole sentence and it happens faster and more every day. And it's really kind of, uh, it's kind of overwhelming, honestly. And then, of course, there is what my friend Marcy <laughs> introduced me to the amazing term. I think she made it up, kinder fascism, where they're just these little dictatorial beasts and they just insist on everything being exact. And it's really exhausting. And she just screams her head off if you do like one little thing wrong. But I mean, I, since I, I wrote a really sort of like creed occur post about it midweek this week. But one thing about I've noticed since is that like she doesn't do it to the other one of us. Right. So like I do breakfast and then we do lunch together and then we do dinner together. Emma does most of lunch, but I'm there cause I'm making my lunch. And then, um, bedtime, Emma usually does most of bedtime, but uh, so like we reversed it. Right. I, so I had to do the grocery run. Ugh, God. Right. Don't we all hate doing grocery runs now? It's fucking worst. Uh, so I wanted to go at a certain time. I wanted to go after the old people are done in the morning, but before like 10, because I went to try to I went at 10 last week and it was really too crowded and I didn't like it. So I was like, I bet if I go at like 8.15, like after the, uh, the elderly hours, but you know, people aren't going, like people don't like to get up that early. 
even when they have kids, they don't really get out of the house that early. I've noticed. So I went for it and it worked. It wasn't that crowded. So Emma did breakfast for me. Um, and in, you know, and then on her birthday, the next day, I, or no, actually same day in return, I did the whole evening. I just gave Emma the evening off. I watched Jane all night. I put her to bed all that stuff. And she was a little angel to both of us because it wasn't the routine at all. It was like a vacation from the routine, right? Like Emma didn't even try and replicate my breakfast routine. She didn't slice the grave. She just gave her a whole banana, like shit. I cannot get away with Emma just did. And then like, she didn't scream at all for me at the nighttime routine. She just did everything. Uh, you know, I still had to do it all. I had to do the brush teeth and pick jammies, then door, then lights, then curtains, then one kiss, two kiss. I have to give her 10 kisses on alternating cheeks before she goes to bed. Sing her song. It's the adventure time song. Um, not the main song, the, the lullaby the Marceline's mom sang to her back when Marceline was a human. Let's go to the garden. You'll find something waiting. Anyway, sing that to her and like put her to bed and it all worked. She was just like a doll. It was amazing. But like, you know, kinder fascism most of the rest of the time, especially in the walks. Except for then, you know, I invented this daddy pickup monster thing that works pretty well. She's really into daddy pickup monster now. So it keeps her moving on the walks. She's just like certain things. Emma can't come down the stairs without Jane trying to open the gate for her, even though it's a children's gate and she can't open it. But she, today she like came downstairs and came into my office where me and Jane were and Jane just screamed at her because she had dared to come downstairs. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I can't stand it when you're like this. And, you know, it's like most days you can handle it, but then, like, you read some terrible news or you're, you know, like, you think about Donald Trump or, like, how fucked the, like, economy is. And then, like, your kid's yelling at you and you're just like, oh, this is the worst. But I get over it. I am, honestly, I'm holding up pretty well. I'm holding up pretty well. And Jane, Jane's more, more of a blessing than a curse. But, man, close calculus, close calculus. So turning to media in its various forms, the archiving is going, okay, I got, you know, the tapes are done and now I'm working on the four tracks. I've only gotten one done. It was really exhausting. I got all the templates set up and everything, but I made the mistake of doing the first four track recording. I think it was right after I did this podcast two weeks ago. And it was like this 16 minute, 16 minute drone piece I had made in like the nineties. And it was so long and I kept fucking it up because the four track doesn't have four independent outs. I, you know, has four quarter inch jacks in the front of it and my head i was like oh they're four outputs great i'll just put them into my you know four inputs on my my audio converter for my my mac and like no of course not i mean i owned this four track back in the 90s there are four inputs on the front duh you can only play a mix out so i have to like you know i set the four tracks in logic and I, I rewind the tape and i have to like play two tracks panned left and right and then rewind and then do it again the two new tracks and like record the next two tracks and then you have to like you know neurotically painstakingly like line them up again and it's just a giant fucking nightmare and i did the one and it's cool and i like output it i did a little mix and it's actually a pretty decent little noise song uh and i was like i guess i'll just start doing this at the rate that i was doing the mixtapes but it's way more labor intensive the mixtapes are kind of pleasant i had it all tempo I just opened it up, I hit record, and I hit play on the tape, and then for 90 minutes, I just got to listen to a nice mix, you know? But this I have to do shit with, and so, like, it's going to take a lot longer. There are only about 24-track tapes, so I don't know. If I can get, like, three done a week, I'm happy, I guess, but I didn't do... I did one, 
in two weeks. Uh, I have been keeping up on the Blu-ray ripping, though. I'm almost done ripping the entire Star Wars oeuvre into 4K. It's pretty exciting. Uh, all nine movies and then Rogue One and Solo as well. So that's pretty cool. I've been buying, you know, Blu-rays. I've been buying it from Best Buy now for a couple of reasons. One, it doesn't muck up Amazon and the central services shipping and blue and, and Best Buy isn't delaying right now. But there's this whole other thing. I didn't really know about this, but um, basically Amazon, or, I'm sorry, Best Buy is like the place for Blu-rays, right? Like I'm not really a Blu-ray buyer, so I didn't know this, but I guess I am now. <laughs> And uh, they have this whole special Best Buy editions, and they have like they're called steel books, right? They come in like metal containers, which is pretty funny because it's like the whole thing is real weird if you really start to think about it. Because what you're buying is a movie, you're buying some bits, it's a digital movie, and you know, basically, you should be able to just have this in your computer, and you can sort of through Apple or something or Amazon, but you don't own those and they can take them away from you and they're DRM and you can't do what you want with it. So the only way you can get it in the way that, you know, you actually bought it and you own it is to buy this physical disc. And like, that's kind of dumb to begin with. And then, you know, like packaging is cool. I like used to buy records and stuff. So I'm into packaging and like steelbooks are like kind of cool. Like it's like you get this movie, especially if you really love the movie. Right. And it's like, you hold it in your hands and it's made out of metal and it's got painted on the metal, the beautiful cover art and you open it up and it feels very substantial and it's actually kind of badass. And I'm like, uh, okay. So it's like a kind of a beautiful polishing of a turd in a way, because I shouldn't have to buy this at all. I should be able to get this digitally, but I can't. So I got to buy physically, but now they've made it beautiful. So now I'm like kind of get suckered into the allure of it and your collecting bug is turned on and all that shit, but it's just useless shit, right? It's just a bunch of metal and like plastic and like environmental destruction just to get you a movie that you don't need like anything physical for but it's kind of cool and you could like hit your little sister over the head with it if you were young but then they call it steelbook and it's like it's not steel obviously it's not steel it's aluminum right like why do they call it steelbook why do they call it metalbook you know <laughs> they have to give it an inaccurate name for this thing that you shouldn't have to exist at all and then polish it up and i'm like this is capitalism in a nutshell right here man these steelbooks like you want to love them you but you kind of hate them and they're kind of fucking pointless but like there's some cool shit about it but like why doesn't it exist you know that's kind of steelbooks steelbooks but uh they're a thing and they you can get like two three dollars more for them on ebay there's a little when you're listing your blu-ray to sell resell i just sold knives out right before this by the way uh you can click steelbook and then you get a couple more dollars so like i guess that you know cool like yeah we're mining metal out of the ground uh, wrap it around a plastic disc and sell it to people just so that we can have tech companies not give us our movies the way we want them America. Anyway, uh, then, you know, also as a reminder, I sent off that Kodak box with all my grandparents' old photos, not all of them, but a bunch of them. They still haven't come back, but they are at least sending me updates. And it does seem that it is going through their process, which I think is really weird. What part of the country exists where like scanning people's old family photos is uh an essential service? And part of me thinks they just took the box, which you mailed to like, I don't remember, New York or something upstate which i think is a whole scam right they're just trying to pretend it's kodak but it's not kodak kodak been sold this is some other brand some other company that just bought the brand name and i think they just probably reship it off to asia or something like that i don't know but i can't really figure out how this thing is moving through the process when everybody is at home on lockdown unless some weird person still has a job because they're sitting in their basement scanning my grandpa's photos it's kind of a mystery <laughs> 
anyway, that's what's been going on with the archiving. I can't, I haven't done any photo albums. Uh, and I haven't done any records. I don't know. I honestly, like I read that Nick cave, right? read, right hand files about like, don't worry about being too productive. And I'm not being too productive. I've been spending a ton of time on work stuff. Work is really busy. And I write my 750 words every day. And I write my little update to everybody on Facebook every day. And I do this podcast and that's fucking enough, man. I'm taking care of a kid. I got a job. What else do you want from me world? Uh, so the archiving has really just sort of been on hold. Uh, mainly I think being, um, half because of the coronavirus, but also half because what archiving is next is not stuff that's easily doable during the workday like the tapes were. So forgive me, archiving gods, I have sinned. Turn into music. Let's see. I sold three CDs on Discogs this week. It's kind of interesting. People are buying stuff. I really pulled back on the buying, by the way. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I sold Scanner, Mass Observation, the first Scanner album. Scanner was like an electronica band that like was built around a police scanner if i recall correctly which is kind of cool and then there's this whole thing man you know like back when i worked at ksua the university of alaska fairbanks radio station that my friend chris helped to get back off the ground after it had gone bankrupt it's a commercial station i was its first music director and i was djing and i played a track from the scanner album and i said exactly what i told you on the air i was like this is a band called scanner they use a police scanner and they make electronic music out of samples and then, like, the next day, I was in line at Mount McKinley Mutual Savings Bank, which is unfortunately named, and they have not changed the name. And there's these two jocks behind me in line, and they're like, yeah, man, last night I was listening to the radio, and there's this band that, like, makes their music out of police scanners. And I turned around, I was like, hey, man, I'm that DJ. I played that. And it was, like, these two jocks, and they looked at me, and I was in all black, and I had, like, white hair, and, you know, it was pasty, and they were just, like, disgusted. And I think it made them embarrassed. They even, like, were into scanner for one brief moment there. Uh, oh, hey, look at that. Uh, the bank just told me my funds went through. That's cool. Uh, anyway, so, you know, when I was selling the scanner CD, I was like, oh, yeah, those jocks in line at Mount McKinley Mutual Savings Bank in Fairbanks, Alaska in 1993. I wonder what happened to them. I wonder what happened to them. Uh, and then I sold the Judgment of Paris album, Signal, which, uh, you know, goth band, Salem Mort Records, early 90s. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I haven't really listened to this in, awesome, in a long time. And I listened to it, and it's really good. It's, like, really kind of, like, ambient synth, a little droney, a little sparse, uh, not super goth, actually. Just kind of cool, weird ambient. Judgment of Paris, I was really into it. And then I sold the CD2 part two of the Lucky Man single by The Verve. And I was like, man, anybody out there that's buying a single that's saying I'm a lucky man must be like, you know, impervious to disease or something like that. Because how are we lucky these days? Maybe Richard Ashcross is lucky. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I'm going to take a quick break here and talk to my banker. I'll be right back. All right. Well, it looks like uh, I'm going to see some funds from the federal government uh, by Wednesday-ish, they say. That's kind of phenomenal. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. That's kind of amazing. Uh, let's see. What else we got? We got live shows. Ha <laughs> Yeah, right. Everything's canceled. Vinyl. I only got two vinyls in the last couple of weeks. I've really pulled back. You know, the first couple of weeks of this, uh, I think I said this last time, but the first couple of weeks I was like buying stuff and stocking up and buying, buying, buying online, buying stupid shit. And now I'm like, no, man, I'm just, I'm not buying anything. This is going to be a long depression recession. I am pretty bearish on this whole situation. And I learned that. I mean, I knew what being bullish versus bearish meant, but my friend said that to me when he warned me when he, we were going to do a video call next week. And he's like, by the way, I'm pretty bearish on this. I was like, oh, that like is a good way to like sound like you're like a cool financial guy. But like you're basically saying like I'm fucking depressed and everything's going to keep sucking for a long time without really sort of, you know, you can use the euphemism so people can still be human beings around you. So I just tried it out on you guys. I hope you liked it. I'm pretty bearish on all this stuff. So I'm not, you know, I'm trying to spend as little extra money as possible 
possible. A couple records here and there. Um, <clears throat> I accidentally bought two copy, copies of the new Waxahachie. St. Cloud, which is a great record. I don't really mind. And they're two different limited editions and different colored vinyls. So I guess I'll just keep them. But uh, that's a great record. And then just today, the the Stooges, John Cale mix of the Stooges came in, which is pretty solid, man. I mean, John Cale is kind of weird because all the stuff that he mixed in that era, phenomenal producer in many ways. And also just like discovered some amazing talent. You may not know this about John Cale. He discovered... Uh, well, he not discovered might be like an extreme word, but you know, it was signed. He was an A&R guy for CBS Records. Signed, produced uh, Jonathan Richmond in the in the Modern Lovers. He signed and produced uh, the Stooges. He signed and produced Patti Smith, and he signed and produced the Ramones. So, I mean, yeah, man, you think the Velvet Underground's like the cool thing under your belt, and then you're like, ah, yeah, no. <laughs> let me let me show you this other shit I've done. It's kind of it's kind of out of control. Uh, so yeah, I listened to both of those. They're really good. Uh, and then, you know, I've been listening to some old stuff, uh, really had a big Sundays kick this week. The Sundays are fucking awesome. The first album is like a perfect masterpiece slice of that time. And it is still so good. And every song on it is awesome. And like, I could listen to the first Sundays record a million times. And last Saturday, I think I listened to it seven times. So yeah, uh, the Sundays, man. And then I listened to the other two blind and the third one, <laughs> which, it's a rare person that can remember the name of all three Sunday's albums off the top of their head. It's a pretty rare person that can remember the name of the second one, but the third one, forget it. Except for the third one has that great single, Summertime, on it, which is awesome. It's a great single. You and me in the summertime. Uh, it's also the single that I sold the guitar solo from for the Rockets burst from the Street Lamp song, The Cartographer, which some people think is their big hit. Uh, straight up guitar solo stolen right out of Summertime by the Sundays. There's a little piece of trivia for you of mid-90s indie rock. Uh, and then from one of the tapes that I was I ripped and posted was a band called Steel Pole Bathtub. And my friend Andy Shea is like, I wonder if they're any good these days. Has anybody listened to Steel Pole Bathtub in the last 20 years? And I was like, no, I haven't. But challenge accepted. So I went and listened to three Steel Pole Bathtub albums. And holy shit, man, that band is great. I didn't remember them being that good. <laughs> uh, you want to listen to an album that's just sort of like kind of dark driving rock. Not dark like goth or metal dark. Just like hard driving kind of like, you know moody weird rock uh listen to miracle of sound and, and motion by steel pole bathtub what a great record i was i was pretty impressed i did not remember him being that good uh and then of course john prine died uh and now here's my confession time i never really knew about john prine i have heard of him routinely mixed him up with john bryan knew they were two different people i always had this thing in my head i had to like sort out john prine because i knew it was like important but i never did never listened to him uh and so you know when he passed this week that's depressing enough and the fountains of wayne guy too that was really depressing too not a huge fountain of wayne fountains of wayne fan but i i admired him and i liked what he was doing but john Bryan, i just everybody seems so sad and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna give this a i'm gonna do a delve so i started with the most recent one tree of forgiveness and it was fantastic and then I was like, well, okay, I see what's going on here. You know, I started reading some of the, like the, the tributes to him. Uh, actually, I know this guy, Justin, that runs this company called downtown music that like managed his publishing rights never, but I never put any of it together. So, um, but you know, I really like the Dylan thought of him quotes, quotes about John Prine from Dylan, from Johnny Cash. And I like looked at his discography and like 20 albums. I'm like, Oh, this guy is kind of like, like weights or, or cash or, you know, somebody that's like been around forever and started in sort of the traditional country blues and then like did different things through the different years and still going. And, and then, you know, I, I, 
I have said this many times, but I, it really still bothers me. And it especially bothered me with John Prine that like, you cannot listen to an artist in chronological order in Spotify. It is so annoying. Uh, you can laboriously make a playlist together and they have every album there in order. And if you hit play, you can play, but it's reverse chronological order. So I just was too lazy to do it. So I'm listening to John Prine backwards from the most recent album to the first album. And I got through about 11 of them so far. Uh, I'm not going to do it over the weekend. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick it back up during the week and finish all the albums. There's like 25. In fact, there's exactly 25 because on Discogs, it is exactly one page of, of Discogs before you click the page two and it starts on the singles. So, yeah, I listened to The Tree of Forgiveness and Singing Mailman Delivers in September 78, which is a live album that came out in the aughts, but is a live show from 78, uh, for, for better or worse, uh, in person and on stage, another live album, Standard Songs for Average People, which was fantastic, Fair and Square, which is fantastic, Souvenirs, In Spite of Ourselves, Live on Tour, the third live album, I think there are three total, and I think I've listened to them all now, and Lost Dogs and Mixed Blessings. I'm sort of on the cusp of the, I think I just got through, like, Lost Dogs and Mixed Blessings, I think came out in the early 90s, so I'm about to enter his 80s phase which is always a tough time for most of these artists right like uh it's kind of when leonard cohen got his weird casio sound it's like uh neil young did not fare well in the 80s but you know johnny cash did pretty well in the 80s uh, maybe a little bit uh, you know better than most uh so i'm curious to see what john prine sounds like in the 80s but uh and then the other thing you know is like i'm a giant spiritualized fan i think most of you know this they're, they're like sort of my favorite band ever and I have a 18 foot spiritualized ladies and gentlemen. We are floating in space poster in this room signed by the band. And there's a line in the last song. The last song of the album is called cop shoot cop. And it's, you know, it's about doing drugs. And there's a line that's like, Hey man, there's a hole in my arm where all the money goes. And Jesus Christ died for nothing. I suppose. And you know, I've seen spiritualized play cop shoot cop live probably 50 times. I mean, I saw it like 11 times on the <laughs> ladies and gentlemen tour. I saw three of the ladies and gentlemen, like with a live symphony orchestra tours. I saw, I saw him workshop the song on the like late, like pure phase or I'm sorry, electric mainline shows. Like I just a million times, but I had no idea. And no one ever told me that those two lines come from a John Prine song. And I like consider myself such an expert on spiritualized. And I knew all about the Dr. John connection to cop shoot cop and all this stuff. But I never, Never knew, and it's just such a hole in my my uh, musical knowledge, and it's very embarrassing. But I hope you're proud of me that I admitted it to you guys. So yeah, since I finished the tapes, I've been really plowing through all the other stuff to listen to, uh, new stuff, stuff like that that was in my to investigate list. Um, in addition to all that, in the Stooges and Waxahachie and the Sunday and Steel Pull Bathtub and eighteen John or twelve John Pride albums, uh, I listened to the new AJJ, formerly known as Andrew Jackson Jihad, but decided their name was bad, and it was, so they changed it to AJJ, which is a shame because they're a fantastic band, and nobody knows who you're talking about when you talk about AJJ. They have a new album called Good Luck, Everybody, and it's awesome. Every album that man makes is awesome. I really want to see them live. I've never seen them live. They played in Durham, and I didn't go because Durham was too far away back when you could go out, and now I just seem so dumb that I didn't go. Like, oh, I'd go to anything now in Durham. Uh, and then there's the new Pet Shop Boys hotspot. I was not super impressed with the new Pet Shop Boys. There's one banger towards the end, but not their strongest work, in my opinion. Uh, a bonus live album for by Buffalo Tom that came with that 25th anniversary of Let Me Come Over I mentioned last week. I listened to the second album on it, which is uh, Live in London, ULU, 1992, which is uh, just a fantastic live set of Buffalo Tom and their prime. That is really great. Listen to a two LP set of the best of Buffy St. Marie. 
I was on vinyl. I mentioned that before, I think, but I got that at uh, School Kids Records in Chapel Hill. The last time I went shopping, listen to the two Nine Inch Nails new albums, Ghost Five and Ghost Six. You know, that's interesting. I think Nine Inch Nails, in a way, like did a kind of a smart thing. They're going to be the first sort of like band that put out there, like this is my creative output of the time that we were all in isolation. And someday there'll be like a, you know, like professors will write books about isolation art. There'll be like books about the journals we're all writing. There'll be books about the music people put out and. If that era will have been kicked off by Ghost 5 and 6, I think. Although they're not that good, honestly. I mean, they're fine. They're like the Watchmen soundtrack without the like tension and excitement taken out of them. They're not their finest work. They, they, they sound like the, most of their recent work, and it's it's okay. I really liked like With Teeth and the weird, fast, like kind of more rockin' version of New Nine Inch Nails. These ambient sort of minor chord, they're not even minor chords, but like sort of dissonant chords that they've got going on on the piano with like drone noise thing. I like it on paper, but, you know, two albums of it. And they're long albums, too. They're both like an hour and a half, so it's, it's a bit too much. There's a new uh, self-titled album by Ringo Death Star. If you don't know them, they're kind of a noisy shoegaze rock band in uh, from Texas. They're awesome, and I really, really like them, and it's a great record, and I strongly recommend it. I listened to Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Everybody was telling me it was like a really great, cool new thing, and it was. It was fun. It was solid. I need to, I've given it two listens, but I need to give it a few more. Also, I'm a big nostalgia fan, and usually pretty into the future, so you know, plus, plus two points on the name there. Then I listened to the new Mark Kozalik with Ben Boy and Jim White. This album is cleverly called Two because it's the second album Mark Kozalik did with Ben Boy and Jim White. And I swear to God, I could barely get through it. I really love some of his new stuff when it works. Uh, and like everybody else to me, that is Benji. Uh, I actually like the one he did with Justin Broderick from Godflesh too. But, um, you know, there's just too many and they're all the same. And I was just like, eh, okay, whatever. Uh, then I listened to this band called The Men. I can't remember who recommended it to me, but an uh, album called Mercy. And it was awesome. Solid record, man. Some dudes making some rock. I'm into it. And then the new Caspian on Circles. Caspian is a post-rock band in the Mogwai Explosions in the Sky vein from New England that I used to see all the time and I miss. And they have a new album and it's great. A little bit more uh, melodic, a little bit more uh, orchestral and got a little bit of vocals on it. So, you know, they're, they're evolving. It's solid. It's got some acoustic guitar too, actually. It's kind of crazy, but it's good. It's still very post-rock. New Guided by Voices, Surrender Your Poppy Field. Listened to it twice. Really liked it. Didn't pick up any songs yet. Need to give it a closer listen. Need to spend more time with it. A new Flaming Lips, Deep Lip. It's some concept thing. I I can't be bothered to look into it. I really like the Flaming Lips, and they always make good records. And that one, I was like, yeah, this is a good record. But like, I I don't even know like what's going on with the concept. It's not even by the Flaming. It's like by Deep Lip and the Flaming Lips and blah 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 blah. Whatever, man. I don't know. Maybe if it's uh, somebody tells me how the all comes together and it's cool, I'm into it. I I like them being artists that are being making art, and it is solid. But I, it didn't move me. Uh, which is kind of sadly the same about the new Wire. Mind Hive, good name too. It was good. And I really am into the new Wire. And generally speaking, I think the new Wire is uh, good. And Wire as a band is still very good live and they're awesome and they're not being like retro and they're not like, you know, just like... Uh, trawling their old works they're progressive and it's cool and it is pretty it's an interesting record it's okay but it just didn't quite click for me maybe I, it deserves another listen though it's gotten two uh but it needs more uh what i do like is the new algiers there is no year i'm a big algiers fan i, I those guys are really good i don't know how they make that music 
it just sounds so timeless and perfect and like they're like super smart amazing dudes and like kind of like the tinder sticks when you first heard the tinder sticks you're like whoa where did this come from not of the current era and doesn't sound like other stuff out there but it's like also it's it's really good man this is i think the third algiers album and i am into it and then i sucked it up and listened to the new jeremy renner album because <laughs> stephen colbert made fun of it and i felt bad for jeremy renner and then i listened to it and i was like oh no yeah yeah no that's sad it might not have been stephen colbert it might have been uh what's his name john oliver but uh you yeah it's uh it's i mean it's it, you can tell they spent a lot of time crafting it and there's some skill to it but it, it just kind of leaves you cold maybe that's how people feel about my record actually it could be similar uh, and then just before I did this podcast, I'm listening to this new uh, woman songwriter, singer songwriter from, I think, Melbourne. She's Australian. Her name is Carla Del Forno. My friend Roy just recommended her to me because we were all on a somebody had posted about AC Marius, who is uh, was a woman on Mute Records in the 80s. And a bunch of us really love AC Marius. And, and uh, yeah, she's awesome. And somebody on that post was like, if you like AC Marius, you would love Carla Del Forno. And I, I made a mental note, but I didn't do anything. But my friend Roy did. And then he tagged me. He's like, Rick, you would love this. And so I just listened to it. And he's right. And Carla Del Forno. I don't know anything about her, but she's awesome. Uh, she's got two records. The latest one is called Look Up Sharp. Just finished it before this. And I'm going to listen to the other one right after this. So yay, Carla Del Forno. All right. Anyway, turning to TV, I have not been watching much TV at all. I got to tell you, uh, I think I went a week without watching anything on TV. Uh, all I've mainly been watching is uh, the game mechanic on YouTube playing Civilization. <laughs> I watch like an hour of it every morning with Jane. It's it's quite soothing. I did watch MSNBC on election night, the Wisconsin election night, because it was such a giant shit show. And I was so appalled at the Kavanaugh decision because fuck that guy. But I didn't realize that they're not actually reporting results to the Wisconsin election until about till the 13th, which is Monday. So I was like, oh, well, OK, then screw that. And I just turned it off. Uh, I tried one other day to watch uh, the 30 minute intro and the first 30 minutes of a Rachel Maddow show. And it was fine. But I was like, OK, nothing's changed. It's all still the same. So I don't want to I don't need to watch any more of this. I read the news for like a little bit at my desk during the workday. But when I'm done at five, work is done and news is done. And I just kind of don't look at either one of them. And I try and just sort of, you know feel okay about myself and the world for the rest of the evening uh i did watch one episode of the colbert report and one two episodes of the colbert report and one of oh, i guess it's not it's late night with stephen colbert now isn't it god oh, i'm so old and one of last week tonight with john oliver because i wanted to see sort of how they were producing them from their homes and it was kind of interesting you know watching these people try and make these shows from their houses it's it's, it's a good time it's entertaining uh watched three episodes of star wars rebels i'll probably finish that in a couple days uh there was a new season that came out this year it's actually coming out now it's not all out yet and uh you know i watched all the old ones it's violent though man i was gonna watch it with jane but i'm like no this is too violent oh man yeah people are like, getting blown up and shit and i'm like no 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 it's a cartoon but it is not appropriate for small children it's very scary so i don't know when i'm gonna watch that now so i'll watch it uh sometime sometime when jane's not around uh watched uh one episode of Brickmasters, the Lego show, which was entertaining. There's a new one out. I was supposed to watch that. That's good escapist television. Who doesn't love Will Arnett? Uh, we were watching devs, but I was annoyed that it wasn't all out, so I stopped we stopped after three episodes. I'm gonna wait for it to all come out before we watch the rest of it. Uh and I think that's really it for TV. I mean, TV movies are kind of mixing together because mainly what we've been watching are comedy specials. We watched the Mark Marin End Times, which was uh 
kind of more relevant than you would think. You know, he's talking end times like environment and the politics, and now we got different end times with the global pandemic, but it's still just as applicable. It kind of worked anyway. Uh, and then we watched the Judd Apatow one, Judd Apatow The Return, which was good. Uh, you know, not as good. He's a funny guy, but he's funnier as a producer, I think. Uh, I can see why he became very successful as a producer and not a stand-up guy, but it's competent. It's all, there's some really funny bits, but some of it, too much about like famous people, honestly. That's part of the problem, which also happened with uh, this... We watched another John Mulaney special, The Comeback Kid. Uh, the Comeback Comeback Kid, the titular Comeback Kid, is in fact Bill Clinton. So there's a lot of Bill Clinton stuff in there, which is kind of funny. But it's weirder with him because John uh, Judd Apatow is talking about the famous people he met when he was already famous. John Mulaney's talking about like this coincidence that his mom went to college with Bill Clinton and she's kind of obsessed with him, so he met him when he was very young. So it's a different sort of like famous person thing. And John Mulaney is just so hilarious. And then we also watched uh, the Sack Lunch Brunch which uh, was wonderful, <laughs> just hilarious and very entertaining. Uh, and then we watched Hustlers, finally. I hadn't seen that. That was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, is there anything else I want to say about Hustlers? I had some thoughts at the time, but I guess I don't really remember them. Uh, but yeah, solid film, entertaining. And uh, Onward, the new Pixar film, we watched that, and I enjoyed it. Uh, they did a good job like setting things up early in the film, so they weren't do it Dave's ex machinas, even though it felt like they were a little Dave's ex machina, ex machina. But uh, you know, nicely tight, tight writing, some funny jokes, entertaining. Not the best Pixar film, not the worst Pixar film, but you know, solid middle, middle upper half. Uh, yeah. It's worth a watch, especially in this day and age. Uh, books, I'm still just reading the Star Wars novelization of uh, Rise of Skywalker. I don't know, man. I can't read books right now. I just can't bring myself to do it. I don't care. Part of that's because I'm drinking. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You have a glass of wine, you go to bed, you're like, I don't want to read a book. I want to go to sleep. So, I don't know. I don't care. I think it's pretty funny that the year I'm stuck in my house is going to be the year I don't get a lot of reading done. But that's what it's looking like right now. And I'm not going to worry about it, man. I'm not worried about anything. Except for the big picture stuff, right? I'm not going to beat myself up about diet or books or archiving. I'm just trying to get by, man. I'm just trying to get by. Work is going well, like I said. Uh, so basically the last weekend, all last weekend, and most of this week, I spent working on my our PPP loan, the Payroll Protection Program loan, the SBA loan. That it will be forgiven if you spend the money on payroll. Uh, it's just been a nightmare, honestly. I had to apply four times, and I have a... I have a good amount of money. Time Hub has a good amount of money in the bank, and we have a we have a banker, right? We moved this year. <laughs> it's funny. About a year ago, once I think I got over a million dollars in the bank at Chase, Chase called, and they're like, hey, we want to be your friend, and they never cared about us before, right? But once you got money in the bank, they care about you. So I brought them over, and I've been sort of cultivating this relationship with them, and we switched over from what is called the retail bank, which is the Chase that you use, and they also handle small businesses, to the commercial bank, which uh, handles middle market banking. Uh, middle market is companies over like seven, eight million dollars in revenue to like a billion, right? You know, it's all Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase, but they have different banks within that. So we are now in J.P. Morgan, which is the commercial bank, and we have a banker. He's very cool. He's an ex-Marine. I like him a lot. He's this uh, Latinx guy, Ryan, and he is uh, super helpful and super nice. And, uh, you know, but it was just a poorly implemented program, right? It launched last Friday, but the SBA, the government, the Treasury didn't tell the banks how to do it until Thursday at 11 p.m. So, of course, they couldn't really pull that off. They worked all weekend, but the rules kept changing. New rules happened again on Monday morning and on Tuesday morning, and it kept happening. So, I had my first application ready on Thursday night to do Friday. Friday didn't happen. Saturday, all day Saturday, I was waiting around for this guy. That didn't happen. 
Sunday didn't happen. Uh, then late Sunday, actually, he's like, supply, apply now. And I did. And he's like, okay, great. And then an hour later, he's like, no, you got to do it again. Then he did it again. And I woke up on Sunday, Monday. And he's like, no, you got to do it again. Then I did it again. And then that one really made me mad because that like cut down the amount of money I could get. And I really vehemently disagreed with their interpretation of the rules because I was also talking to my auditors and my lawyers and they all like they agreed in this other way to look at it. And then on Tuesday, he's like, okay, we've changed our mind and you guys were right. And you got to su- submit a fourth time. So I did. And then I heard nothing because when, you know, I passed the bank's internal checks and then they pass it off the SBA and they're just like, well, we pass it off. We don't know anything. We've heard nothing. There's no number. We don't got anything. And that just sat like that for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then just now as I was on this podcast, he said it was approved and I should get the money next week. So we will see, we will see. And then somebody asked me on one of my Slack groups I'm on, they're like, you know, you say you have like a year's worth of money in the bank. How do you justify getting this money? And I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. But you know, Time Hop's revenue took like a 65% hit this quarter, this month, because of what's going on, right? Advertising, people aren't advertising as much right now. So yeah, I got money in the bank, but like any rational company right now, like, you know, I'm not as extreme as a restaurant who took like a 95% hit, but I took a, I went from being a very profitable company to a company that's losing $150,000 a month. So yeah, uh, a responsible person in, in my position would be thinking about cutting jobs right now. I don't want to, and I'm going to do my best not to, but like, that's what this money is going to go towards. Absolutely. hundred percent of this money is going to go to keeping people in their jobs. And that is why this money exists. So I don't know. I think it's okay. I talked to another friend who's like got a lot of money in the bank and his pre-revenue in his startup. And he's like, I don't think I'm going to do this because it doesn't really change any of our plans. And I, I don't feel right about it. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And I think if I was in his position, I wouldn't. The other thing is, is like no VC is going to give my company any money anymore. I call it my company. <laughs> I own like 0.05% of it. <laughs> I'm very possessive of it though. Uh, nobody's going to give time off any money anymore because, you know, ad tech and publishing are not exactly hot fields for VC right now, even before the downturn. So like we are on our own and, you know, we pay our employees out of the money we make. And that is exactly what this is for. So I don't feel that bad about doing it. Yeah. So yeah, you know, work, it's a little stressful, but it's not because we do have savings because I knew some sort of recession was coming. So I've been banking money. So we've got time. We've got, you know, we can, we can do it. We can hold out. And we've got this new product, as you know, Nimbus, our, our ad server product. And that's a, you know, the, the sales pipeline is looking pretty good on that because it, the whole, the whole premise of it is that it makes you as a publisher, makes you more money. And it turns out publishers right now could use a little bit more money. So, you know, I think that is, uh, there's some hope there as well. So it's, it's stressful and I'm working a lot. And the other thing is, is like, they used to all be in an office and I'd be on Slack. I was kind of the only remote employee for a long time. Lately, there's been me and a guy out in the West coast, Brandon, we're the only two remote employees, but now everybody's remote. And in the old days, they could kind of forget about me for a whole day. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I could just do my work, but now because everybody's on Slack and just everybody's remote, they're talking way more and they're talking to me way more. And so I'm just like way more busy than I've ever been at work, especially with this loan on top of it. And then like, you know, redoing budgets and I got to like tell the board what's up and yeah, it's a lot. No, no, you know, find places to cut costs and blah, 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 work, work, work. Uh, Yeah. I don't know, man. I had like a list of other things to talk about in the tech industry, but I, I, I don't know if I really, oh, I'll talk about this one though. House, which is the aperitif company that my friends Helena and Woody did that I invested in with my friends Ari and Danielle. Uh, they did this amazing thing called the house restaurant project where they made nine new aperitif flavors in partnership with nine different restaurant chefs around America. 
they launched it this week and every dollar uh, that you buy of the flavor goes to that restaurant immediately. So one of the restaurants is the, the Marlowe group in Brooklyn, Marlowe and sons, Marlowe and daughters and diner. One of my favorite restaurants in the world. They did one of these flavors with house. And so I bought a bunch of that and the money goes straight to the Marlowe group. So if you're like a foodie and you're looking for a way to help some of the best restaurants, some of your favorite restaurants in America, I strongly recommend you go check out the house restaurant project, H A U S. It is really awesome. And it's like real money in the pocket of these restaurants right away. So that is pretty, pretty sweet. And I will save for another day, my other tech talk. It just feels, you know, uh, I don't know. There's obviously a lot going on in the tech world where the money's drying up and different companies are wrestling with it in different ways and, uh, you know, has different effects, especially on companies that involve travel and being out of the office or in the office or out of the house. And, uh, but I just, I, I just don't have it in me today, man. I don't have it in me. I think we're done. I think we're done for today. plants that need repotting in my garden, my victory garden. It's coming along really well. I'm very excited about it. I'll share a lot more with you guys about it next week, but I want to get some stuff done in there. So I'm going to go do that instead. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys are holding up. Okay. Drop a line. I love hearing from friends, even if it's been for ages and uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Be careful out there. Be well, be happy, be safe.